just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. Who are Kenyatta and Jack? We're just friends who are Gen Xers, former Air Force brats, parents, taxpayers, and citizens of the Earth. And we're here to save it one podcast at a time. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. As always, I'm Kenyatta. But unfortunately, my friend and partner in crime, Jack, is not here with me this week as he got called away to a uh, serious family medical emergency. Uh, Fear not, it is not the COVID, but it is serious. And I ask listening friends that you keep Jack and his family in your thoughts and send them uh, love, energy, and healing as they go through a particularly difficult time. Never fear, he will be back in short order, but in the meantime, it is just me. However, this week I do happen to have a guest, which happens to be my very own daughter, Kendra, and I'll introduce her right now. Hi, Kendra. Hello, listening friends. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. How are you doing? I'm good, as much as I can be. Good. I'm glad to hear it. There's a lot going on in the world right now but um, if you guys have been following us uh, you know that me and Jack had the opportunity to speak on the Ukrainian crisis last week so of course as you know that's still going on and thoughts and prayers go out for the Ukrainians and everyone being affected by this um, this mess and that's that's not even that's a mild way to put it but as it were Things go on elsewhere as well, so we're going to have our usual WTF moment. And here's a little interesting uh, news bit that we just happened to come across. Um, Apparently, and this was reported just yesterday, March the 4th, that an out-of-control rocket stage crashed into the moon on Friday morning after hurling through space. So apparently astronomers uh, had anticipated the crash for over a month after Bill Gray, who's an author of Space Object Tracking Software, sounded an alarm in a blog post. Initially, he thought that the space junk originated in a 2015 SpaceX mission, but um, updated his assessment to conclude that it was a Chinese rocket stage. No surprise, China has denied it, but... Mr. Gray insisted that it was Chinese based on the fact that there was, there was a specific type of paint used by the Chinese space agency. Mm-hmm. So, apparently the rocket slammed to, into what's called the Hertzsprung Crater on the dark side of the moon, meaning, unfortunately, there's no way to immediately observe the impact. However, scientists uh, are certain that it did happen. I find that very interesting that the level of technology that we have to observe in the space is is able to determine the type of paint used on the rocket. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy because it's literally such a big distinguishment between um, someone going into a convenience store and, you know, like saying they're robbing the place, but they can't identify the actual robber with, because it's like 280p quality. Yeah, you can't get, you can't get that good technology to... 
in video surveillance, but we can see what paint is on a rocket mm. on the moon or headed to the moon. So, very interesting. But that's our WTF moment. It's it's like I said, it's it's interesting how technology works nowadays. Um, yeah, that's something to think about. And that kind of ties into the whole facial recognition controversy mm-hmm. of which that's been going on a long time. That that has its benefits and its drawbacks. But like I said, again, the fact that we can see the kind of paint on a rocket in space, but you can't be sure who it was, like yeah. you said, that robbed the convenience store. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and I use face recognition for literally everything on my phone, so it's kind of... Surreal, very surreal feeling. Absolutely. These are weird times we live in, listening friends, most definitely. So, but to switch gears just a smidge, um, of course, we want to hear more from our guest. We're going to talk a little bit about what she does and who she is and how she came to... You know who I am. I, I know who you are, but our listening friends <laughs> do not, and I'm sure they want to hear more, so... I'll turn it over to you. Just tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey and how you came to be where you are. Uh, well, first off, hello, listening friends. I am Kendra Edwards, as my mother had mentioned. Um, I actually graduated from Old Dominion University that's located in Norfolk, Virginia, about almost three years ago um, with a bachelor's in women's studies and international studies. Um, from then on out, I kind of um, migrated into like the, um, I would say, social work field. I started off doing um, like a small resident assistant position for the YWCA, which is the women's, the Young Women's Christian Association, kind of like the YMCA, but with young women. And then I um, started working for a small agency that is located in Norfolk um, that specifically deals with the LGBTQ community. And right now, what I currently do is um, I'm doing housing case management, and I've been doing that position um, for almost going on seven months now. And I will say that it's very challenging, given that we live or we're living in a very um, difficult part of the world and the pandemic, and just a lot of adversity going on. And it definitely does show in my role. However, it is something I'm very passionate about, and I do. Um, enjoy what I do as much as I can and it's it's really a, a poor village and it's really um, something that I really appreciate because when it comes down to it I've learned so much about myself I've learned to give myself a lot of grace with this with this position because um, there's a lot of things that are out of my control and so with that said it's um, teaching me to kind of be creative and innovative and find other ways to help my clients and I think I do a good job <laughs> um, if I do say so myself but I mean there's some things that of course I can't always um, fix or you know help with and I mean that's okay but just as long as I know that I can make sure that I'm doing everything I can in my position for my clients then I really do feel you know fulfilled at the end of the day so yeah um that's pretty much like a like a small synopsis i could really write like a small book on it if i wanted to but um just to kind of like i guess segue into like the current times like i said it's just um given everything going on in the world we have to just learn to give ourselves grace and a lot of tolerance and patience because a lot of these things that are going on right now um are out of everyone's control 
and all they can do is kind of sit and watch and I think um, yes we're spectating this but we're also we also have um, that chance and opportunity to take whatever we see and um, kind of like learn from it and apply those um, teachable moments in our own lives and I will say it's definitely been a challenge for me but um, you know the only thing that I think is important is knowing that just as long as you know that you're trying to the best of your ability then that's all that really matters so yeah <laughs> okay yes I mean that's a great synopsis and in summation of you know who you are and where you've how far you've come what have you what have you found to be the most rewarding thing thus far about this particular career field um what's very rewarding is that i do work with people on a very micro level so it's very um rewarding just to see like the small changes like i always say this but a small change is really a big change and it's very much so um obvious in my work field but definitely seeing just like the smallest changes like bring such like joy and such a huge positive impact to my clients' lives. Really, um, it makes me feel good and it makes me feel like I'm actually doing my job correctly. So um, yeah, I definitely think that that's one of the biggest things that is rewarding for me. Okay, all right, good. So <clears throat> stemming from that, um, can you mention, mm, as much as you feel comfortable, can you mention or share any details about one of the most rewarding cases that you worked on? Any particulars? Um, I kind of actually am working with a client right now, and it's really been just an uphill battle. I think both of us make a great team together because right now the housing market is absolutely crazy, as I think most of you guys know. Um, and we had to secure housing for her and it, it wasn't easy. It was, it was, um, an ongoing process, like I said, but the key is very much so just being consistent and that's what we're both good at. And I think it really made such a huge difference. And for her to just call me and just say like, Hey, everything's good. And now we're finally getting her moved on to section eight. It just really makes my day. And it really makes me feel like, you know, like things happen in mysterious ways and it's just, it's really you know, one of the biggest, like, like, I would say she's one of the biggest motivators when it comes to my job, because she's just gone through so much, and she's an inspiration to me. She constantly is a reminder of all the good in the world, and, um, yeah, definitely. And, and we, we definitely need to see more good, and I'm, I'm here to tell you, in my opinion, that as much negativity that we see in the world, especially in the last few years, as much as the people around me, and, and my daughter can attest to that, as much as I fuss and complain about the negative things and, and mm. the negative people I come across personally, and then some of the stuff I see, you know, out on social media or entertainment, it's hard to be optimistic, yeah. but yeah. when you see goodness, whether or not, you know, you're involved within it or you're just observing it it's it helps it helps it helps you remain optimistic mm -hmm. and i'm 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 here to say that i think there's more good in the world than not yeah but we just don't see it as often as we could i think like you know they always say like if you focus on the good the good gets better and it, it definitely does and um i think a lot of people lose sight of that so it's always something to keep in your back pocket absolutely absolutely 
So, from what I understand, of course, again, I know some of this. I know a lot of it already, but it is a challenging field to work in. Mm -hmm. So, what have you been able to do to help work your way through some of the more challenging periods or situations? Oh, that's a good question. I think that uh, sometimes when you're kind of going through, I guess, a bit of a challenge, it's always just important to um, kind of revert back to your self-care routine. Um, because for me personally, my mom knows this, as she knows, she can attest to it. Um, I tend to bring home a lot of the baggage that my clients go through onto myself. And so I'm just learning to compartmentalize that um, and kind of just set boundaries for myself because... I, up until this point, I really haven't had to set boundaries in any aspect of my life. So it's been hard to especially do it in a, in a work professional setting and with people who are just like me and who remind me of my friends and family. So it's hard to set those boundaries, but I have to constantly remind myself that I am in a professional role and I can only provide what is, you know, in my tool belt of my position. So definitely self-care. Um... And definitely my coworkers, like they're just so affirming, like we can always vent to each other. And I've never been in such a um, really like just um, assuring, like I said, affirming workspace where coworkers are just always, you know, mentally capable and, you know, have that capacity to help you when we're all going through the same thing. So I think that's just really refreshing. Oh, definitely. It, it, uh, a solid support system is invaluable. Honestly, whether it's, um, you know, on the professional side or the personal side. And if, you, if you're able to have it on both ends of it, all the better. Um, as me and Jack were talking about near the end of our last episode, mm -hmm. times are tough. Mm -hmm. I mean, every everybody goes through tough moments, but it's been especially hard the last two years. And I think in varying degrees that a lot of us may or may not recognize at this point. Um We've had some major, major things happening in in the midst of and with during an ongoing pandemic, and it's it's tricky to balance it. So to know that you have someone to turn to mm -hmm. and someone that'll listen that will support you, and if you need it, to guide you and and just to tell you that it's okay if that's all you need for the moment. It's, it's invaluable, and just a reminder again: there's always someone that will listen. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way, but there's always someone that'll listen. So if you have that support system, do not let your pride get in the way. Tell them you need help. They'll yeah. help you. Definitely. Yeah? Yeah, that's definitely true because, I mean, I don't really know. I guess pride is a wall, and if you constantly have that wall up, you're never going to truly, I guess, like, evolve and say that it's okay to not be okay because we always have this this um like self-centric mindset in america i'm sorry america but it's true and we're always just very selfish of ourselves and i feel like it's very much so important to make sure to say like hey i need you like hey like if it wasn't for you i, I wouldn't be in this position that i am and it's just very important to recognize those people in your life so absolutely yeah. and i'm i'm here to tell you from one in my early years um when my daughter was young and I was her age, I had a hard time asking for help. And I'll tell you what, I probably, if I had 
asked for it when I needed it, I probably could have avoided a whole lot of, uh, I kind of probably could have avoided a whole lot. But then again, going through those, through those experiences did help me grow and evolve to the person I'm at now. And I'm not finished evolving. Most of us aren't. Mm. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're not continuously growing, then I don't think you're living. So, I yeah. I always say if you're, un- if you're uncomfortable, then you're growing because a lot of complacency lies in comfortability. So it's just, you know, another thing to put in the other back pocket because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. So let me ask you this. Um, if given the opportunity, let's say you came to work mm, next week, the week after, and they said, hey, you're in charge. What would you want to put in place or what would you want to do differently that you think would help make the process better for the clients that you work with? Oh, I mean, that could just be in all aspects because we do have several different departments in the agency. But I guess as far as how housing goes, um, we definitely just need um, a grant that's more like that has more longevity to it because I work, I currently work with a grant that is only COVID specified. And so that grant is actually expiring closer towards the um, beginning end of uh, fall this year and so it's hard because my clients still face a lot of barriers as far as being um, accomplishing stabilization goes and I definitely think that if I could now this is literally just me like imagining things but if I could I would literally um, have like I mean establish a grant where there is um, I guess I would say two or three years behind it because it really does take that long for people who are coming out of homelessness to to reach a certain level of stabilization in order to be, you know, successful. And that goes in financial, mental, physical aspects of their lives because you got to remember these are all like things that, you know, you can't have one without the other. So it's definitely um, a service that requires a lot of wraparound services, not just one. So... Okay. All right. So in your role, as far as working with clients to secure housing, um, what other, what other departments do you tend to work hand in hand with all of them or specific ones or, um, like I said, like the agency, um, is big around like our kind of, um, I guess approach is the wraparound service approach, which means, like I said, you can't have one service without the other. So if a client needs um, housing services, most likely they're going to need medical case management services for HIV. Because like I said, we work with the, LGB- the LGBTQ community. Um, like that's the specified target group. So um, yeah, I think that it every day I probably am talking to another case manager, a medical case manager, or I'm speaking to... Um, another co-worker of mine in the housing department that works with another grant because like they all go hand in hand because you know like I don't know like I literally can't it speaks for itself really because it's when you start working with the clients you'll see what services they need and so you can see you're start to you're starting to bring in a lot of um different services that the agency has and I work with it every day so okay all right so let me ask this Anna, for what you've learned in this professional capacity, have you felt 
that any of those lessons have bled over into your personal life? Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, tolerance and patience, specifically patience with myself, is a big one because I'm very impatient um, in all aspects of my life. And so that's been a challenge for me. And that's the biggest thing I'm trying to kind of work on this year. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. I hear you. Like I said, if you're, if you're not learning, you're not living. So, you know, stagnation really is death. And, and I mean that figuratively, but I don't think it's ever, it's, I don't think it's ever too late to course correct and really go for what you're looking to do. And self-examination and evolving your, your emotional intelligence is all part of self-care. You know, self-care isn't just, you know, going on shopping sprees and taking bubble baths. Sometimes you have to do the hard work and realize, yeah, there are things I can work on. So, for what you've been able to learn, all the better. I mean, do you find that to be a struggle, learning these lessons and applying them? Or how's that How's that made you feel? It's hard. It's, it's not easy. But like you said, like self-care isn't always going to be the superficial things or the surface things. So it's definitely doing the inner work. And that is not easy, especially when you have to unlearn certain things or learn things that at this point in my life, like my mind is so um, it's wrapped around like a certain, I guess, mentality that, like I said, I have to unlearn in order to do better for myself and it's not easy. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're right. It's not easy work. It's not easy work. And the longer you go, you know, supporting certain habits, the harder it is to, to, to un, like you said, unlearn them or retrain your brain to think and, and do other things. So it's it's hard work, but in the end, it's it's beneficial work. Yeah. It's beneficial work, definitely. And, and then in turn, those kinds of personal lessons and personal evolution that you learn can always bleed back over into your professional life. It's all it's all a big round circle, yeah, that's, friends. That's why it's so important to set those boundaries too because you will find yourself wanting to do more for your client and you're realizing you're not doing more for yourself at that point and you just have to be very um, hyper aware of that. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah, and and I'm here I'm here friends to tell you I've witnessed it. And for all it's worth, I'm very proud of her. So I'm not just saying that because I'm her I'm her biggest fan, but <laughs> no. it's true. No. <laughs> it's true. But so considering this is not your not necessarily your first job in the social work arena, but it's probably your most the one with most responsibilities at this point. How do you feel? Is this do you feel you want to continue on this career field? Do you feel like this is purposeful for you? How does this? Um, I definitely feel overworked and underpaid. I'm not going to lie. That's just how the social work and, and being in this profession is. Mm. But it is um, rewarding, like I said, and not just like the face value, but the, um, the, the, like the value that I am seeing my clients grow and just be the best version of themselves every day and that doesn't go for everybody of course but most of my clients that i have had the privilege of working with have really understood the magnitude of wanting to change their lives and, and just be in a better position for them and for for their children if they have any so it's definitely always a, a reality check for me 
So um, it is something that I want to keep doing and for that matter, but it is definitely a, a profession that is weary. And I would say like self-care is going to be your best friend as far as this goes. So, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That's completely understandable. And I, she knows that I urge her to do that as often as possible. But, you know, yeah. your, your kids are your kids and they're going to do what they want to do. So, friends out there that have kids, I know you know. Anyway, <laughs> so, is there anything else that you want to touch on um, regarding, you know, your career or anything related to it? Or just anything in general about how what you're doing kind of relates to the bigger world and the stories that you've been seeing on the news? How do you feel about like those laws that they've been trying to pass down in Florida and in Texas and other states. Oh, gosh. Oh, mm. um, I would definitely say nonprofits are always going to be a product of the times. So being that I work in a nonprofit, you're constantly, you're always going to have to shift your perspective, shift your approaches, because the same things that worked maybe a year or two ago will not keep working now. And it's something that you really have to constantly keep making sure that, you know, keeps the agency going so that way it's not stagnant, like you said. So it, it's it's hard. Um, like I said, just with everything going on right now, um, it's, it's, we just need, I think truly we need to um, reevaluate. There needs to be a new approach and there needs to be um, some things that need to be considered as far as COVID goes and just... Um, understanding how we can support our clients better and the co-workers because I think at this point we all um, are facing a bit of burnout so I, I think that whatever is going on in the world right now is always a reflection of nonprofits because we're we're the ones who are fixing those who fall between the cracks and so not if it if you know actually you know the government did their job correctly we wouldn't have nonprofits that's why they exist because of you know systemic oppression so it's always going to be like a double-edged sword for us, and it's always going against the grain, I think. So Excellent. And, and you're absolutely right. If, if we were able to have the correct funding and the correct setup of government agencies, we would the safety net for those who ball, fall by the wayside would be much better and much bigger. But just like you said, Kendra, the fact that it's not... Um, causes organizations like who you're involved with to have to step in and, and close the gap and help those that are in need that get lost and it's excellent I've I've always you know social work has always <clears throat> been one of those occupations that I felt were incredibly challenging but did the most work sort of how like some people may feel about doctors and nurses you know people hold doctors up as godlike almost but it's the nurses that come in and they they really go in and they they get yeah. their hands dirty they do the work exactly that's not to not in the medical profession but if you know you yeah. know so I, I can tell you just from you know a few years ago when i was in the hospital really minor procedure i was there overnight but i'll tell you what and this was at the you know the first few months of the pandemic long before there was a vaccine and I was anxious to go there, you know, for mostly for that reason. But the team of nurses I had from check-in to pre-op to post-op to overnight stay, incredible. And and so the people, and I, I, I actually, I put, you know, medical workers and social workers and then that, 
it may be kind of simplistic, but I put them almost in the category of care workers. They're there sacrificing their emotions and their space to help someone else. And I think that's, it's incredible. I, I, I can't applaud, I can't applaud folks in those, in those occupations enough, especially during, you know, the last two years. It's been hard, but when you have to step out and not only deal with your own emotional load, but you have to work with other people's, that's a lot. And I can do nothing but applaud folks that like my kid and those in the same field and, and those who give of themselves. It's, it's an incredible burden, but it's, it's necessary. But it's, it's, it's been so hard, I think, for the last couple of years. Would you think so? Yeah, and I think that a lot of, I mean, just even being in the social work um, field as is, if you tend to work in there for, you know, like five or ten years, it's like you really stay in this consistent mindset of like, you know, self-care. And so you kind of develop a very hard, ex- uh, yeah, a hard exterior because you have to really put those walls up in order to protect yourself. So um, to a level, it is desensitization, like you're very much so desensitizing your feelings and your understandings to certain things because if you didn't you would be a mess so yeah yeah definitely definitely and i'll tell you what listening friends it wasn't until you know maybe sometime last year and probably just before um jack asked me to to co-host with him and start this podcast that i felt my own sensibilities kind of Mm, start drying up like my empathy was at an all-time low for various reasons and it was kind of hard you know outside of my family and close friends it was kind of hard for me to to look out in the world and say this is humanity it was tricky but self-care again is part of that doing work on yourself so that your perspective shifts and you're able to see things in a, in a wider broader light and I think that's 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 part of the whole package when it comes to taking care of yourself. Um, knowing knowing what you can and can't do, working on what you can, learning, 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 always stretching, always growing, things like that. So, and like I said, it it I think I've seen a lot of a lot of stories in the past couple of years about people who who tried things that they would have never otherwise tried, and I think. A lot of that is based on the fact that when you see what at the beginning what looked like impending doom, unfortunately, causes you to say, you know, life is short. Let me go in here and, and do this or try this. Just because you've always been afraid to, but at a certain point, your your fascination overrides your fear, I think. Yeah? Have you found that to be true outside of this particular job? Have you found yourself trying new things or exploring new arenas and things like that? Um, no, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Just because I feel like I get enough of that at work. Um, but as far as, I mean, like outside of my work life goes, yeah, I definitely do want to learn to do new things. Like, I know my mom, she knows I want to play the piano, so I really want to take piano lessons soon, and I really want to start producing music, but I just haven't had that time or mental capacity or even the energy to, to put into learning these new hobbies because. <clears throat> they take so much time and then I'm not gonna lie I just there is like a always like a weight on my shoulders that feels like I can't um I can't fully 
give my undivided attention to like hobbies outside of my work life so it's been a struggle and that's why I really try to give myself grace because I know like I constantly want to do these things you know even going back to school so yeah yeah definitely the fascination but um fear is paralyzing for me as I'm sure like a lot of you would understand so <laughs> yeah I'm kind of working and navigating through that mm-hmm you and me both trust me start starting this starting this podcast was uh it was a journey all into itself so I can I can definitely associate with that and and the thing of it is starting this is now for me uh caused me to have you know all sorts of other ideas of things I want to do down the road and so I'm thinking to myself if myself at this tender age hmm. a year and a half shy of the half century mark can hmm. do new things and I know my darling daughter a couple months shy of a fresh 26. Oh my god, no. <laughs> and I can do these things. I know she can. So, it's just kind of hard to sometimes watch her go through the darker moments. But, she's a tough cookie. So, I have faith. I always have. Um, I actually saw this quote. Um, and kind of like, I guess, like a quote, yeah. And it was saying that... Um, it's good to have resiliency, but we shouldn't always have to live our life based on resiliency. Um, life is meant to live, not survive. And I constantly have to remind myself of that. So, yep. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or as the iconic and prolific hip hop group Outkast once said, do you want to live or do you want to exist? Mm-hmm. So that's the yeah. question. And, and even even as we come to this point in the pandemic where it appears things are kind of leveling off, it's hard to say, but as it appears things are kind of leveling off and people are kind of easing back, and it won't be normal like two years ago normal. It's, it's a new normal now, but I think as people are trying to find their way back, and the outdoors are starting to open up again, as people find their way back in or out and intermingling with people, there's More or less, found, yeah. there's a newfound level of like discoverance and exploration as far as like, you know, yourself and you know the the desire to seek. Um, I guess I don't know, like the um, the. I'm trying to find the word, mom. Like, help me. Like, I'm sorry. I'm trying, like, the need to like self exploration, self exploration, but then also like you know the desire to meet new people and like be so much more open minded and. Um, just uh it's just called growing really i mean i guess why was that so hard for me to say i mean it's not it's it it it, it, the word really is that simple it's just growth it really is and it it comes i think it comes almost when you're not trying to do it it's in the i think the best kinds of of evolution or growth come when you're not looking it's it's weird but yeah definitely Growing growing pains do hurt but in the end, it takes you. It takes you to the next level if you let it. But there's that. Mm. Let me shift gears though, a little bit. And I, I think I mentioned this a couple minutes ago. Um, so have you been? Yeah, I, I take it you've been watching the news about the laws they've been trying to pass. Um, mainly in Florida and Texas, been I think in like 13, 14 other states, trying to limit what's being taught in schools when it comes to. Um, Black history and LGBTQ plus history. Have you heard about the details of these things? Um, I haven't listened to it in depth, but 
I always see the headlines. I've been seeing headlines for it, but I mean, there's not even much in the textbooks when I was growing up that defined LGBTQ or even civil rights. It was literally like a small section in a textbook. And I'm just like, not even, I'm not even surprised, but I am disappointed that they're always trying to kind of mitigate and kind of pretty much um, um, kind of do like a uh, Fahrenheit 451 with this because it's, it just seems like they're really trying to make it seem as though like this is non-existent. And I mean, boy, are they in for a wake up call when they get like, you know, my age, but it's kind of, it sucks that they have to go through that. And it sucks that we still have um, people who are in power that still believe that this is um, normal. This is not, um, like this world isn't intersectional and um, it sucks. But I mean, this is why <laughs> I do what I do. This is why we have activists still. This is why nonprofits and, you know, you know, our political leaders who do believe in change and uh, feminism and equality exists. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you're, and you're absolutely right. It's, 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 it looks like it's going to be a hard road up ahead as far as making sure the stories of all of us get told with equal measure and respect. Um, and it's not like, you know, for instance, it's not like the LGBT community is a new thing. Hello? Yeah. It's 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 existed since time began. Yeah. But there yeah. was no name, you know, to put to a lot of it a long time ago. Or there was just names or things that people wouldn't say a lot, but they've all they've always been there. And you know why? Because they're human beings. And that's it. I mean, yeah. there's there's really no there's no really no other justification mm-hmm. needed. I just think that, oh, that is the justification. If if it weren't for these people trying to still put these laws in place, it it's be, it's wouldn't be because they are not seeing them as a threat. It's because that they are a threat to, for their autonomy and for their comfortability level. So it's it's sad. Like, it truly is. So. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's difficult to... And again, me, Jack and I have touched on this many times in various different ways over our previous episodes. It's difficult to understand the mindset of people who would just as soon try to erase certain segments and certain communities out of existence altogether. It's, it, it makes no logical sense. Like, how can you deny the existence of another human being because they don't live like you? Or they don't look like you. It's 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 almost like an abnormality. It's almost like a mental abnormality to think like that. That they don't they don't deserve the same level of uh, respect and treatment that everybody else does. It's it's bananas, and it's I said one of those kinds of things that I think Jack and I decided at the very beginning we wanted we wanted to keep talking about and keep digging into in every aspect that we could. So. It's it's necessary. Talks like this are necessary, and, and and to bring it out and to heal those wounds, they had to be brought into the light and, and air out. But there's far too many people in very great positions of power that keep trying to not let that happen. So that's the battle, folks. Well, I always have to remember, though. Like I mean, unfortunately, America was founded on racism, and it's going to keep striving off of racism. So, unfortunately, so, and we've got. You know, still, as we as we sit here and talk, somebody somewhere is pitching a fit because a teacher in, in their child's classroom wants to do, you know, a scaled-down version of the 1619 Project or something. 
and that parent is losing their mind. Well, how dare they make it look like all white people are racist? First of all, if you know anything about the 1619 Project, it's not. All it does is more accurately contextualize the history of this country as what it was. Basically, a country built on slavery. There's no getting around that. Built on slavery, built on a system of laws to continuously keep one segment of the population in power. And to this day, the descendants of those segments of power insist upon it. But, you know, they'll sell it to people who don't know any better as, well, you understand that everybody thinks all white people are racist. That's not it. That's never been it. That's not something I believe. That's not something most of the people I know believe. But if you get people who don't know any better and are fearful and don't want to learn any better, then that's what they'll choose to believe. Whatever helps them sleep at night. Basically. And I hope they sleep badly. <laughs> I know, friends, that I'm supposed to be here. And as me and Jack say often, it always starts from love. But I promise you, sometimes the limits of my empathy are still worn thin. So, mm, all I can wish for them is healing. That's it. Healing and therapy. That's it. Those things work wonders. It's not a joke. But <laughs> this is not a test, so it's not it's, it's not a test anymore. It's not a joke. It's not it's not cute when you still have, you know, kids, my daughter's age and younger still to this day going on TikTok and making amusing little videos where they're dropping racial slurs and they think it's funny. Something's still very, very, very wrong here. So that's disconcerting. And those kids didn't learn it. They didn't live in a bubble. They didn't just pop one up one day. They got it from somewhere. So the cycle perpetuates. So if there's any question about whether systemic racism exists, all you have to do is look for things like that to know. You don't have to look, really. You really don't, unfortunately. It, it's, it's sad that they're out there more than often you want to be. If it's not kids making a video at a party, it's a woman in a store accusing a person of color, trying to assault her. Or some such, not, it's it's there. It keeps happening. And all I can do is wish those people healing. Whatever it is that they can't get through, that they had to project somewhere else, I hope they get it fixed. That's all I can say. That's it. So, oh boy. So, is there anything else that you want to touch on or anything else you want to discuss? Or any more enlightening things that you've, you've learned here as of late that you don't want to share with the friends? No, not really. I mean, uh, I think everything kind of like in my life right now is coexisting. So it's it kind of is very much so overlapping in every aspect of my life. So I think yeah, I don't have anything else to say really. So <laughs> okay, I, I I very much enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely, it's not like I don't converse with you. I know often, <laughs> but. This is a first for you as far as being in our podcast, so I very much enjoyed it, and I'm glad you took the time to be here. Um, again, like I said, um, Jack will be back um, soon enough. Um, like I said, just continue to send out uh, good energy and healing for him and his family. And, yeah, I think this has been a very good conversation. We touched on a few things, and I'm glad my, my daughter was able to open up to... To all of our friend listeners, thank you, friend listeners, for tuning in this episode. 
Um, as always, we always try to start month, and it's been a really tough week and change for the world at large. So, as my daughter said, give yourselves plenty of grace. None of us are perfect. We're all just trying to get by, but give yourselves a break and understand that we all stumble, we all fall. But it, it really does matter how many times you choose to get up. So, that being said, friends, thank you very much for hanging out with us this episode. And as Jack and I also like to say, it's good to be good. So. Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. Who are Kenyatta and Jack? We're just friends who are Gen Xers, former Air Force brats, parents, taxpayers, and citizens of the earth. And we're here to save it one podcast at a time. Be good to yourselves and be good to each other. And we'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, hit that like button, and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback is valuable, and we welcome it. If you would like to contact, connect with, or just want to see what we talk about between episodes, you can find us on Facebook under our podcast name, on Instagram at K-A-Y-A-N-D-J-A-Y-S-T-W, our website, podpage.com slash Kenyatta-Jack-Save-The-World, or email at k.j.savetheworld at gmail.com. If you would like to learn about and contribute to our chosen charities, you can do so at Service Dog Project at servicedogproject.org and Black Women's Health Initiative at bwhi.org. Kenyatta and Jack Save the World is a product of Hyper Focus Podcasts.